Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. I want to capture just a couple of statements from that video. One being, Jesus suffered. Think about that for a second. I'm not sure if we fully understand and comprehend what that means. I know I've tried over the years to study it out and kind of kind of let it sink in and try to absorb it. But he suffered in a way in which no man ever has nor ever will. Agony and loneliness and separation. I think the saddest words in all the Bible are when Jesus cried from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right? Think about that. He suffered, Jesus suffered, and then so we can know he understands and wants us to be free. (laughs) He suffered on purpose, and he understands. He wants us to understand. And then celebrate the day that changed everything. The day that changed everything. And you know what day, day that's a reference to, right? That's the day when up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah. Christ arose. The day that changed everything. We're going to begin a series this morning and I've just labeled it risen. Uh, It kind of says it all, doesn't it? Especially in this environment risen. Christ arose. He's alive. And we celebrate his his life, don't we? Every day. We don't need Easter Sunday or Palm Sunday or any Sunday to celebrate Jesus. We celebrate him every day because we serve a risen Savior and he's in the world today. And he's in us. He lives in us. He lives through us. Join me, if you would, in the Gospel of Matthew this morning and the 28th chapter. If you brought your Bibles, Matthew chapter number 28 as we begin this series that we'll call Risen. And this will take us out for a few weeks, and we might, we might go one, one week past Easter. We may go one week past Easter. Isn't it great to have sunshine? Huh? If you don't, if you don't, if you don't like sunshine, come and see me after the service. I got some medication for you. I love sunshine. It just does something for me. Vitamin D, and it just looks better, doesn't it? Amen. So thank the Lord for the sunshine. Now, if you were to, if I were to give you a word that would label for you Matthew chapter 28, if I could just give you a word, just one word, it would be the word great. Great. Isn't great a great word? Isn't it? Think about it. I mean, we fling it around all the time. You know, I, I like, uh, I'm a sports uh, lover. I like golf, Brother Bob, and every once in a while I'll be watching 
you know, Brother Bob play golf, and I'll say, boy, that's a great shot. Not really, I'm usually watching the guys on TV, and I say, man, that's a great shot. You know, uh, maybe you're a, a woman, and you, you, you like clothing, and you walk past the clothing store, and say, boy, that's a great-looking outfit, you know, or that's a great-looking car. So we, uh, we fling that word great out all the time, and we use it as, uh, you know, kind of like awesome, you know. Uh, I use the word awesome all the time. My daughter reminds me, Dad, you're, you're, you just kill that word. Awesome. That's awesome. Right? Tyler, I text you all the time. Awesome. Tyler texted me last night. I got the banners up. Awesome. You know, uh, praise the Lord. I just, you know, we just throw these words around. Mm, but the word great really takes on a different meaning when you look at it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 28. And what you find here, if we were to Go down verse by verse, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at these passages in detail. But what you find beginning in chapter 28, verse 1, down through verse number 10, is a great confession. It's a great confession. Uh, and here's the confession. Look at verse number 6. Uh, he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. That's a great confession. You know, what a, you know what a confession uh, a confession is? A confession speaks of our truth, and really it's an agreement. So when we make a confession, we are agreeing with the power, with the truth of Scripture. Right? Great confession. Uh, he's not here. He's risen just like he said he would. What a great confession. Uh, as you read on, beginning in verse number uh, 11... What you find is a great cover-up in verse number 11, a great cover-up. You know what a cover-up is? In this text, in this passage, uh, the cover-up is an attempt, uh, an attempt to, to, to prevent people from seeing the truth. So it begins with a great truth. He's risen. He's not here. You know, just like he said he would, he's up from the grave. He's alive. But then soon thereafter, there's, a, there's an attempt to cover up that, a great cover-up. They try to cover up the truth. In fact, look at, uh, look at the text. Look at verse number 11. Verse 11. And there came a voice from heaven saying, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Uh, now when they were go going, uh, behold, uh, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. Verse 12. And when they were assembled uh, with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers saying, Look, look what they said. Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole them away while we slept. That's a cover-up, isn't it? They're trying to cover up the truth. They're trying to prevent people from seeing the truth, the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He was who he said he was, and he did what he said he was going to do. And all God's people said, amen, amen right there. But then as you read on in verse number 16, what you find is a great commission. A great commission, right? And, and that's where Jesus commissions uh, the church. In fact, look here. A commission is a command given to a, a group of people, to a person, by someone who has the authority to give that command. And Jesus had... Uh, the authority to give that command. And so I'd say this, this chapter in the Bible is a great, great chapter because you find a great confession, say it with me, a great cover-up, and then a great commission. A great commission. Now I want to study, I want to study this text of Scripture over the next couple of weeks, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're, we're, going, to start, we're going to start from the end of the story. 
instead of the beginning of the story. And so this morning, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about, oh, they already went there. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm going to turn this off now, okay? And you, you can just have fun up there with me, and I'll yell at you when, when I need to, okay? Uh, we're going to start at the end of the story, and the reason is, the reason is today we're living in Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19 and 20. That's where we are today, isn't that right? Where the Lord gives to the church a great commission. He commands us to take this message of him being risen in the whole world, preach it to every creature. Isn't that right? That's what we are, that's what we're to do. And, 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 and I like this because there's some interesting facets about it. In fact, each gospel, you know there's four gospels, right? Are you sure? Let's say them. You ready? Let's say them. Just to be sure, there's Matthew. Oh, see that? It wasn't that hard, was it? And each gospel records the Great Commission. Are you aware of that? And if you ever read through it, here's what you find. It's recorded at the end, at the end of that gospel, right? So it's at the end. Now pay attention right here. It's at the end of the gospels, but it's at the beginning of the book of Acts. Say, wow. No, say, wow. Wow. So now I want you to pay attention to this. This is important. The Great Commission is at the end of the Gospels. Every Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four writers record it, and they place that, th those words at the end of the Gospel. But when you read the book of Acts, that was pretty much penned by who? Luke. Luke, it's, it's in the very beginning. In fact, it's in the very first chapter, you know, uh, the Great Commission. And I think this, I think the placing of it is significant. Because you find in the Gospels, these are the very last words of Christ's ministry. The very last thing Jesus says from the cross is, go into all the world and preach, well, not from the cross, after his resurrection, is go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Every creature. Make sure everybody hears it. Do your very best. I mean to tell you, pull out all the stops. Make sure you're all in so that everybody hears the, the gospel, this message of the death, burial, and resurrection, that's the last thing he said to the church. There are his last words. The very first words written to the church in chapter 1 is the same thing. You know, be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And so they're the final words, and pay attention right here, they're the final words of Christ's earthly ministry, and then they're the very first words of the ministry of the church. And so it's significant, correct? And in both cases, the message was impressed upon the disciples with visual aid. I like visual aid. We like visual aid. You know what that is? That's visual aid, isn't it? Here, just a little bit, uh, these guys are going to flash the screen. We're going to have visual aid. I'll throw some Bible verses up there for you, and it'll give us visual aid. Well, think about this. Uh, when the gospel writers record the Great Commission, the visual aid is Jesus Christ himself sharing that message. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Here he, he says this in verse number, look at verse number uh, 19, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore teach all nations. And these words are in red. So that's Jesus Christ himself. What a visible, 
What a visual aid, don't you agree? Huh? But then in Matthew, in, in the book of Acts, chapter number one, you know what you find? You find the Holy Spirit, the Almighty God, descending upon the disciples, empowering them to fulfill the commission. And so, uh, visual aid, Donald, mm, Jesus is preaching and saying to the disciples, go, and then mm, in the New Testament, mm, Acts chapter number one, the Holy Spirit descends upon that New Testament group of believers and empowers them to carry out the commission. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Visual aid. And here today, wouldn't it be great if somebody said, boy, preacher, wouldn't it be great if we can just, if we can just see the Lord? Because here's what I believe. I believe those visual aids helped the New Testament church in reaching their world with the gospel of Christ. I believe when they saw Jesus resurrected, it just empowered them to go and do. And then with the Holy Spirit coming upon them and empower them to go and do. If we can just see the Lord, that would make all the difference. But the fact of the matter is, we can see the Lord if you look for him. I see the Lord every day. I see the Lord every day when I read my Bible. I see the Lord in the scriptures, don't you? And I pray every morning as I read the Bible today, Holy Spirit of Almighty God, would you please speak into my heart, speak into my life, your word, and help it to come alive. And the Bible teaches us that if you look for Jesus, he's on every page. He's there. The whole central theme of the Bible is redemption. It's all about Jesus. And so we can see the Lord in the scriptures. I think this, I think if you go to the right church, and if the right church is doing the right thing, you can see the Lord in the church. Amen? amen. You know when you really see the Lord? When the congregation says, amen. <laughs> yeah. I, how, many, how many of us say, well, many times I go to church and I see the Lord. Huh? You should. Hey, look here. If, you, if you're a member of Open Bible Baptist Church and you come here on a regular basis and you don't see the Lord at work, I suggest you find another church to go to. Huh? Because if I didn't see the Lord at work, that's what I would do. Amen? Uh, if we're careful, we may even see the Lord at work in people's lives. Right? So but if we can just see the Lord, it would make a difference. Well, we can see the Lord today in the Word, in the church, and in each other if we just look for it. And it really does make a difference in carrying out the commands, the commission, this great commission that the Lord left with us as the church. And so we're living today in verses 19 and 20. That's what I believe. Let's read it together, and I'll make a few comments. Go ye therefore, let's go back to verse, uh, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, so don't go anywhere yet, guys. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's great text, isn't it? And i like to submit to us this morning, that's where we are living. Right there in verse 19, in verse number 20. And I want you to notice this morning the word all. Four times in three verses, the word all is mentioned. And, and, and I think what, what the Lord is doing is this. He's giving to us, now pay attention right here, all the help that we need to fulfill the Great Commission. Remember, we're going to walk this backward. 
right? You got a great confession, great cover-up, great commission. If the Lord tarries and gives me the green light uh, the week after Easter, I'm going to preach about the great omission. So, great confession, great cover-up, great commission, great omission. You know what an omission is? An omission is something that's not happening, something that we're leaving out, something that we're not doing. And what we're not doing is what the Lord told us to do. And that is to go into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody. Everybody. Right? And he gives us all the help we need. So I want to take a look this morning at that word all. Just take me just a few minutes at that word all beginning in verse number 18. Look at it again and I want you to highlight the words all power. Do you see that? Jesus came and spake unto them and here's what he said all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth see that word power there the word power there can be translated authority and so what the Lord is saying is this all authority is given to me to to command you to do what I'm commanding you to do all authority is given me now you know this he had all power beforehand but what gave him the power or the authority to command us to go and preach the gospel lies in the resurrected work of Christ. So because of Calvary, because of the crucifixion, because of the burial, and because he now on the third day has risen again, he has the authority now to command us to take that message and preach it to everybody, everywhere, at all times. Beginning right here in Jerusalem. Do you agree? Huh? And so he, he has the power. And, and we operate today under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not free agents. Isn't that right? You know what that means? That means this. We don't have the authority to go and change the message. I can't say, well, you know, it's, it's 2023. Remember last few weeks we did that little chat about generational truth? Right? And how the generations and the one thing that transcends the generations is the word of God and so we need not change the message we we might we might need to change the delivery we may need to change our tactic but we need not change the truth right and so we we don't have the authority we're not free agents we can't go and change the message I can't say because it's 2023 I need to just dummy this down and when I'm talking to people about eternity uh, I, I, can't, I can't bring up, pay attention right here, I can't bring up the word hell. I mean, hell's offensive, right? That's what they used to preach back in the 70s and 80s, Brother Riddell. We can't, we can't bring up the word hell today. We just, we, we got to relabel it. And we, we have to make it seem like it's not that bad. Somebody say something right now. Huh? And so, I mean, to tell you, well, if we're going to preach the Great Commission today, we have to take into consideration the fact that, you know, it's 2023. The world has changed. We're no longer boomers. We're now Zers, Zoomers. Generation that we're not even, what are we now? I don't even know what the generation is now, man. And so we got to change it. But look here, Donald, I don't have the authority. I'm operating under his authority. I'm not a free agent. I'm a representative of his. Now, I may not want to be as, as harsh as some others are. 
I may not jump in somebody's face and say, man, I'll tell you right now, if you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. No, I may not do it that way. I may be a little bit more tactful. I think I heard someplace that you catch more bees with honey than you do vinegar. I did hear that if you have to choose between disposition and position, choose neither, have both. Why not have the right position and the right disposition at the same time? Hello? However, we don't have the authority to change the message. We just need to preach it like it is. And let the power of God's word and the power of his spirit do his work of bringing conviction and conversion. Jesus said, look at it again in verse number 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Are you with me? That's the first, that's the first all. But I want you to notice this. I want you to notice a second all in verse number 19. He said, go ye therefore and teach, what's the next one? All nations. All nations. Now, we don't have time to get into what that word nations means, but it means people group. People group. You know how many people groups there are on the face of the earth? Oh, man, I think kind of like over 6,000 people groups. You remember those statistics, Carrie, Tyler, from First Bible when Brother Keen started to? I think there's over 6,000 people groups. You know what a people group is? A people group is a, is, a, is a group of individuals that has their own culture, their own language, their own beliefs, their own way of life. 6,000 different people groups. And so when he said, go to all nations, what he's saying is, is this, go to each individual people group and preach the gospel to them so that nobody's left out. Hello? Are you with me? And are you aware of this? Are you aware of the fact there are some people groups that don't even have a written language? They don't have a Bible. They don't have a page of the Bible. They don't have a verse of the Bible because they don't have a written language. In fact, there are people groups, and I know of some places, where they don't even have an alphabet. And so guess what some folk do? Some folk, and we support some of them, they go to the pe these people groups and they begin to develop a language for them. Think about it, Nathan, you're going to a people group that speak, but they don't have an alphabet. And so how could you learn their language? So now you've got to develop an alphabet. Then after you develop an alphabet, you teach the people how to, and then you, you try to get them the gospel. Man, that's a task. When all you and I need to do is grab a gospel track and walk down to the nearest whatever. Hello? So I don't speak Spanish. Get a Spanish gospel track. I don't speak French. Get a French gospel track. But try going to some place where you don't have a gospel track because they don't have a written language. Nonetheless, the Bible teaches God wants every one of those group, groups of people reached. And you know what he said to us? Now pay attention right here. He said, you need to begin right where you are. Right where you are. So, you know where in the, in the, in the larger scope, when you look at the world, right? If I were to take a globe, and I don't have one here for us, but if I were to take a globe, and if we were to point our finger as to where we, we live in the United States of America. Somebody say amen right there. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we are not the only group of people that live here. 
there's 332 million of us. Wow, that's a lot of people. Think about it, 332 million people that are part of the United States of America. If you take the United States and just put it in that big old globe, which would be China with uh, 1.4 billion, India, you know, and you know what it comes to? Eight billion people. Somebody say, say what? I can't, I can't understand that. Huh? Eight billion people. 332 million people. All right, so let's, let's, let's kind of dummy it down a little bit. Let's kind of shrink it down. Let's go down through the funnel. Let's go to the great state of New Jersey. How many states are in the United States again? Do you know that, number, that, that, that New Jersey ranks number 11 in population? In, in people. Not in geography because we're not the largest landmass state, right? But did you know that New Jersey... I mean, from the tip to the bottom, Cape May's probably the bottom. What's the tip? Williamstown? Who? Who? High Point, top of, furthest port you can get up in, uh, yeah, up in New Jersey? Whatever. From top to bottom, 9.2 million people in New Jersey. That's a lot of people. Pennsylvania's a pretty big state. You know, how many people? 12 million people in the state of Pennsylvania, right? 9.2 in New Jersey. You can put landmass, you can put a couple of New Jerseys in Pennsylvania. Huh? A lot of people here. I'm trying to make a point right now. I can't wrap my brain around 8 billion people. I can't wrap my brain around, I can't hug 332 million people. And I'll be honest with you, 9.2 million don't do that much for me neither. So let's bring it down to where we live, our Jerusalem, right? We live here in Gloucester County. Well, our church is in Gloucester County. Did you know that in Gloucester County there are 302,000 people? Gloucester County. 300, that's why it's so congested when you go to IHOP. <laughs> Wherever it is you go. That's why there's so many pizza places. You try to feed 302,000 people pizza. Huh? And then, because, I mean, right, right, all you got to do is drive, just drive across the street and you get into Camden County. How many live in Camden County? 500, let me get the statistic, 523,000. So, look here. Just in that small little Gloucester County, Camden County, pay attention right here, 825,000 people. That's a lot of people, man. I mean, look here, right outside our door, uh, walk outside, grab a stone, and throw it, and you can hit 825,000 people. <laughs> I don't suggest you do that, or at least don't tell them you got the stone from our property. But that's a lot of people. Huh. And that's still a pretty big number, Donald. All right, so let's go, let's go, let's, let's dummy it down. Let's go to Monroe County, uh, Monroe Township. Huh? Monroe Township. So we went from 8.8 billion, 332 million. State of New Jersey, 9.2 million. 
Gloucester County, Camden County combined, 825,000. How about Monroe Township? 39,000 people. That's a lot of people. I'm not sure how many churches are in Mon Monroe Township. I should have done a little research on that. I think we're the only good one, but... I, I doubt very much if you put all the churches together this morning in Monroe Township, you're going to get 39,000 people in them. Huh? I know we got a couple thousand here this morning. That's evangelistically speaking, right? You're not going to get 39,000 people in our... It's just not going to... Why? Because there's not 39,000 people in our township that goes to church and probably just a fraction are saved. Huh? But let's take it right down to our parking lot, Williamstown, right? What a great little town, Williamstown. Are you aware of the fact that Williamstown has 15,000 people in it, in Williamstown? Hello? I know they all seem to be at the red light at the same time at the end of the street here. But 15,000 people right here. So what am I saying? When Jesus said, go ye Therefore, teach all nations. He's speaking about those 15,000 neighbors, those 39,000 neighbors, those 825,000 neighbors. Look here, if we can't reach the 15,000, we'll never reach the 332 million. Where's it begin? It begins when he said, Be witnesses uh, of me, both at the same time, beginning where? Williamstown. It's in the Bible. It's just a different, it's called Jerusalem. It just means your backyard. It means your community. It means where you work and where you school and where you shop. And where you get your nails done and where you get your hair cut. Where you buy your clothing. Hello? You say, well, I do everything online. Well, get out a little bit, my brother. Huh? Right? Are you with me? It means right here, right now, we've got to reach the people that he told us to reach. Why? Because that's where we're living, in the Great Commission. In the Great Commission is where we're living. Are you with me? And that's a lot of people to reach, and what a great responsibility. There's another all. Look at verse number 20. Verse number 20. Teaching them to observe what? All things. All things. Look, all things whatsoever I've commanded you. In other words, what he's saying is this. After you reach them, then what you need to do is teach them. Right? And it all begins with, and pay attention right here. And I know for some folk in any church, in every church, including this church, this kind of a message goes nowhere. You'd rather me speak about how to overcome trials and troubles, what to do with affliction, how to beat up your boss, right? This is just like, it's, it's over my head. However, these are the very last words of Jesus to the church and the very first words given to the church. And I promise you, when we get to heaven, we're going to answer for this. Huh? Look here. In your environment, wherever you are, however you want to, you can share the gospel. You can be a testimony. You can do it. We all can. Huh? 
And, and what, what it comes down to is this. It comes down to the first word. Would you go back one verse with me, guys? Go back one verse. There you go. Look at the first word there, go. Let me submit this to you. Maybe you can tuck this away someplace. If you'd study that out, it is not an activity. It's a philosophy. A big difference. See, if you go on Monday, you may not go on Tuesday. If you go on Friday, you may not go on Saturday. So, in essence, really, if you read that, Dean, it's be ye goers. And so, it's not something that we do, it's something we become. I thought that was a lot better than that. Doesn't that make sense? Why? Well, because we have a visitation program on Tuesday. So we got soul winning on Tuesday, visiting on Tuesday. But people die on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But if we went on Tuesday, my job for the week is done. Really? We're to be witnesses always. It's a philosophy. It's a lifestyle. Go back to that verse again. It's a lifestyle. Do you get it? Teaching them. And then, so as we go, as, we, as, as, as we're going, and as we lead them, then we need to do something that the church is really failing at, and that is disciple them. So then we're to, we're to teach them all about the Christian life. But you can't teach them something that you, you just don't understand. Hello? Right? You look here. Pay attention to this statement. You can't teach somebody what it means to be Christ-like unless you know what Christ was like. <laughs> Isn't that right? So you know what that means? That means we've got to wake up, church. It means we've got to take this seriously. It means that we've got to start living for something other than ourselves. And today, we've got to start to absorb the truth of this message and become what God wants us to be, witnesses unto him. So that means this, uh, Craig, as we fish, we can witness. Uh, Bob, as you golf, you can witness. Ladies, what do you do? Shop, as you shop, you can witness. Uh, where's the teenagers? As you teenage, you can witness. Huh? Where's the eating crowd? All you do is go out to eat. You can witness. Get some of these older people, their only hobby is going out to eat. <laughs> I'm heading that direction. I get it. But as we go, we just need to let people know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Amen? Great commission. See, look here. You can't, you can't, you can't celebrate Easter. You can't go back to verse number seven, verse number six, without looking at verse 19 and 20. There's no celebration there. Why? Because it wasn't just for you. It was for everybody. And he wants everybody to know. Can I give you one final all? Look at that text again, verse number 20. He says in the very bottom portion, I am with you always. You know what that means? Look here. That means that Jesus Christ was all in. He was all in. And he's not leaving us alone. We need his help to accomplish this. Isn't that right? And here's the thing. If we, if we understand the nature of the gospel and if we understand the nature of man then we understand that we need his help. We understand we can't do it uh, without him. Even in this scene, even in this scene, there's some that are doubting. Look at verse number uh, 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some 
Some doubted. So even in this scene, we see human nature, right? Here, here's the resurrected Christ, and some are doubting. So that means, uh, that means you and I, we certainly need to have his help as we try to witness the gospel in our world, wherever your world is. There's nothing like it. Some of you can attest, testify to this. There's nothing like leading somebody to a saving knowledge. There's nothing like it. I know getting there is so tough at times. You know, the intrepidation, the fear of speaking up and maybe not knowing what to say. I get it. I get it. But if you ever do it and somebody does get saved, man, there's nothing like it. And you know what you say to yourself? I want another one. I want to do this again. You know, it's kind of like eating a chocolate peanut butter fudge sundae. That's the best. You say, I want, to, I want one tomorrow. I want one the next day. It's like shooting your age, Brother Bob. So I'm going to shoot my age tomorrow. Huh? If you're a golfer, you know what that means. It's like catching that doormat, you know, doormat flounders. <laughs> I want another one. One's not enough. When you lead somebody to Christ, it's not enough. You want to do it again. You want another one. There's just a thrill about it. It's an adrenaline rush. I mean to tell you, it's awesome. It's just getting to that place. And I know some magazines say, yeah, preacher, it's easy for you because you're a pastor. Look at you up there screaming all over the place. Put me one-on-one, -on -one, and I'll tell you what, man, I get tongue-tied. Hubba, 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 hubba. And I got to muster up all the faith. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who you want to be one-on-one -on -one with is Donna, Mrs. Genizzi. She's an absolute nut when it comes to witnessing. I'm telling you, she's a great soul winner. She's a track star. I don't carry tracks with me because when I'm with her, I don't even get a chance to get close to my gospel tracks. You know, we walk into the restaurant, she's got it out. You know, I, I, I can't even pull it out of my pocket, Donald, not to even have one in there. But I witness. Huh? I mean, it may not be to where I, I just walk up to somebody and say, hey, if you were to die today, you go to, I might say, hey, let me buy your coffee for you. I, I just feel impressed by it. Why would you do that? I just feel like doing it. You know, the Lord was good to me. He saved me. Say, so you do that? Huh? Well, I, say, I can't buy people coffee. I don't drink coffee. You don't have to buy them coffee. Use whatever works for you. Huh? Man, why are you smiling? I'll tell you why. I got every reason not to, but Jesus is so good to me. Opportunity to witness. Are you with me? Huh? We can do it with his help. See, Matthew's gospel ends with a command and with a promise. Here's the command. Go and make disciples. Here's the promise. As you go, remember, I'm with you. Always. Always. I'll always be with you. Look here. If for no other reason, we ought to want to go just to have fellowship with him. We ought to want to witness just to have fellowship with him. Just to experience him. Just to enjoy him. Amen? Amen? Amen, church. And so what a great, don't you agree, what a great chapter in the Bible. You'll find, and we're going to talk about this, the great confession. That's, that's Easter Sunday morning, the great confession. And then the great cover-up, if the Lord tarries and you come back next week, that's next week, the great cover-up. But today, the great commission. The great commission. And it's a great, great story. Let me ask you this. Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you? Listen to this Bible verse. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9. Listen to this Bible verse. Many of you have heard it before. It says this, that if thou shalt confess with the mouth, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and pay attention here, believe 
with your heart, thou shalt be saved. Huh? That's a great confession. At the end of each of these messages, I'm going to probably finish up the same way. And that is this, knowing for certain that what, what you have is genuine, that what you have is enough to save your soul. Has there been a time in your life where you confessed the fact that you need a Savior and believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and invited them into your life to be your Savior? Are you with me? Someone said this, knowing that Jesus died, pay attention here, I'm finished, knowing that Jesus died is history. Knowing that Jesus died on a cross is theology. Knowing that Jesus died on a cross for me is salvation. And you may know that Jesus died and even died on a cross, but have you accepted the fact that he died on that cross for you? And if you were to die today, right now, right here, I mean, if you just fell out right now, would your spirit, would your soul go to heaven? If you're uncertain about that, you ought to try to deal with that today. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.